right, well, good morning again. We are so glad you guys are here with us in person or tuning in online. Uh, it is a beautiful day outside, and Derby was yesterday, and so we, we realized that you guys have a ton of things you could be doing right now, but you are here with us or you're watching online, and we couldn't be more grateful for that. A couple announcements uh, before we get started. All of this is available on the app, by the way. If you haven't downloaded the app and you consider Journey uh, your church home, it's the best way to stay connected best way to sign up for things, all of that stuff, but several things coming up. Uh, today we are uh, starting a new partnership in Dominican Republic, and there'll be a mission trip uh, in October of this year. We're still continuing our partnership with Guatemala, and we'll have an update about that here in a few weeks for you guys that are sponsoring kids down there. Uh, COVID has just messed everything up, obviously, for everybody, but especially in countries, especially third world countries, it's made it even more difficult. And so uh, we're continuing that partnership with them, and things are starting to open up down there. So we'll talk more about Guatemala here in a few weeks. Uh, but we're starting a new partnership in Dominican Republic, and there is a mission trip meeting about that today, every week um, after this service, and you can go, and it'll be in the overflow room, which is like right out that back door right there, um, and there's also a form on the app if you're interested um, in that trip as well. Also, Galaxy Wars is this Friday, so that's for K through third grade, um, and that is just a good time to get together and enjoy Star Wars. May the fourth be with you, right? And so some of you guys don't get that. Okay, so... Um, Anyway, so that's coming up this Friday. Kids have a fun time uh, with that. My son is pumped about it. So if you have kids, make sure you come K through third. Uh, there's a youth event this week. I did not know about this, but he told me they're going roller skating. So that's coming back. And so uh, if you want to go roller skating, there's a youth event, and that's on the app as well. And as you guys saw, every week in the month of May, we will have food trucks out in the parking lot. So make sure on your way out to stop by and get some food trucks. Next week is Mother's Day. Uh, if you didn't know, and for Mother's Day on your way out, make sure and stop by. We'll have Still City Pops and Ramiro's Tacos. And if you're a mom or mom-to-be, and actually if you're just a woman, uh, we'll give you a free taco or a free popsicle on your way out. So make sure and stop by that as well. And if you didn't know next week was Mother's Day, it's Mother's Day. So make sure you, you do something for your mom, okay? And so uh, we are in this series talking about human. We got two more weeks. Next week we're going to talk about parenting. Uh, we're going to bring my wife, Jamie, on stage, and we're going to talk about parenting and how we have no idea what we're doing, and probably neither do you. So it'll be a fun time. And so, uh, but we're in this conversation, and we've been talking about what it means to be human. We've been all over the place. Uh, last week, I listened to Rusty, and they talked about marriage. Uh, again, the marriage conference is coming up. you got one more week to sign up for that. It's going to be a fun night on um, uh, May 14th, and so sign up on the app as well. But we talked about marriage. We talked about the idea of having empathy for each other. We talked about what it means to be human. And I think this is a really important conversation because, guys, you guys haven't paid attention. Our world is becoming increasingly more complicated, it seems. Relationships are becoming incredibly more complicated. Um, and, and, and all of this has kind of come out in the last year. I mean, there's so many people that we were so busy doing so many things. And in this last year, we've had to slow down a little bit. And so many people have realized some of the flaws that it was easy to overlook in relationships and marriages and families and all of those things because now we're spending more time together than maybe we ever have before. And so what's interesting about this is this whole series is about the idea of us as human beings trying to make the best and wisest choices for ourselves as we are in relationship with each other, as we're in community with each other, as we have marriages, as we have families, or one day we'll have marriages and families. And what I find so interesting is so many times when I talk with people, we acknowledge that there's problems, we acknowledge that there's flaws in our thinking when it comes to relationships and communities, but what we try to do is we try to fill the problems in these things with different things. Um, and what happens sometimes is rather than ask the hard questions about ourselves and relationships, we try to overlook it 
We, we try to avoid that at all costs. And rather than kind of take an honest look about maybe what's jacked up about our relationships and our community and why so many of us can't have authentic relationships, why so many of us seem to struggle with friendships, why so many seem of us to struggle with creating friendships. And then when it comes to like marriage and family, these most intimate details, I mean, it seems like there's so many things out of whack within there. And, and part of it is that so often we try to, rather than deal with these things that complicate relationships, that complicate community, we, we try to fill it and try to make happiness in other ways. So many of us were like, well, our marriage is terrible, so let's just buy a bunch of stuff so it'll seem like we're happy, right? And what ends up happening is we become enslaved to debt, and, and all of a sudden now we have all this stuff we can't afford, and we have all these things that we're trying to do to try to make it seem like we're happy, but we're really not. But now we got all these payments, which add to the stress, right? Or maybe for some of us, we, we know the pain of, of addiction. So many of us in life have tried to numb this, this feeling that we have where we can't connect to people, where our relationships are jacked up. And so we try to numb it. And we try to introduce things into our life that allow us to, to numb the pain. And then we think about today's world. I mean, how many hours a day do we spend on social media and video games and Netflix and, and binge-watching things so we can escape reality? So, so rather than deal with kind of the stuff that's in front of us, we get lost in a screen. And so it's like we know these problems exist, but now we live in a world where we can just ignore it, right? We can just ignore all of these things or try to ignore all these things or fill our life with these things rather than authentic connection and relationships that we were created for. And that idea of trying to push things aside and, and fill it with other things that was never meant to kind of fill that hole in our heart has to be connected to the fact that we are a generation of people. We live in the world where we have the opportunity to be the most connected of anybody that's ever lived. And yet we're the most mentally unhealthy. We struggle with real relationships. Many of us have self-destructive tendencies. And so why is that? Some of us, we feel like our lives some days have no meaning and we're struggling to get through. We're struggling to figure out what the point of all of this is. And it's like this interesting idea because as we see in Scripture, like we were created for community. We were created with a purpose. Like we were all made in the image of God. And the image of God we talked about the first week is this idea of created within this community of relationships, healthy relationships. Rusty talked about marriage last week being this sort of like intimate relationship that was God's idea. That it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for any of us to be alone. And we keep trying to fill our life with all of these things. And that's just us as individuals, but we think of us collectively as a culture, and, and if you think of our country and, and the world even bigger, I mean, it's this interesting thing that we find ourselves in. And I think sometimes what happens is we forget as individuals that every day we have the choice of who we're becoming. Every day we have the choice as to what type of people that we are becoming. We have a choice on what we will do with the days that we have. Every day we have a choice on how we will interact with people. We have a choice on the type of world that we're investing in. We, we, we try to escape, but what we need to do is engage and realize that the choices we make as individuals matter. And they're they either contributing to the world that we all want to see happen, or they're taking away from it. I think one of the fascinating things about Jesus is he comes to teach us this new way to be human, this, this new way to move forward. And it's us as individuals, and, and we can no longer blame other people for the world that we live in. It's the world that we're creating. It's the community that we're creating. 
You can't blame other people for the relationships that you have. You're, you're the common denominator there. And there's this interesting thing that, that happens in Scripture that, that it's this idea of what it means to be human. And, and in John, there's this brilliant teaching that he gives us at the very beginning. And John chooses to start his gospel different than, than the other gospel writers. And, and in the beginning of John, he has this interesting thing where he says, in John 1.1, it says this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So let me stop you right there. So what John is talking about when he says the Word is he's actually talking about Jesus. He's referencing Jesus here. And so in the beginning was the Word, being Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Now, this is one of my favorite scriptures, and if you've been around Journey for years, you've heard me teach on this one many, many times. But, but I love this, this, this teaching, and I love especially the very end. In him was life. So many of us are struggling to find meaning in life. We're struggling with what we do with the life that we've been given. And in this scripture, Jesus is, is being referred to as the life himself. And then it says, and that life was the light of all mankind. Now, what I find fascinating about this, and I love the imagery, is this idea that God's painting this picture with these words that, that if you want to find the meaning of life, you look in Jesus, and in this life that he lived is the light of all mankind. And when he says that, it's another way of saying the life of humans. We are all humans. Now, light is one of the most fascinating things. I don't know if you've ever taken the time to study light. Most of us take light for granted. The fact that there's light in this room right now, the fact that you walk outside and there, there's light. But when you actually study what light is, it's one of the most fascinating things that we have. What it does, how it works. And what's fascinating about light, let me nerd out on you for a second, is this. With the ever-changing complexities that we're learning about the universe that we live in. And like we used to be amazed at how big and vast the universe is, the ever-expanding universe. And then quantum physics comes along, and now all of a sudden we're not just amazed at how big the universe is, we're amazed with how small it is and how it all works together, and there's these energies being transferred constantly. And what we are learning is so much is changing, so much that we don't know. But what physicists will tell you is there's always one constant in the universe, and that constant is light. In fact, one physicist said this, light is the only constant unchanging reality all that curving and bending, shifting of the universe happens in contrast to light. Another physicist says this. He says, it keeps its unflappable, steady course regardless of the conditions. Now, I know these scientists are talking about the phenomenon of what it is that actually is light when we think of light. But what a great idea when John says that in him was the light of all mankind. Now, let's put Jesus in that same definition. Look at this. Jesus, where, where was it? Jesus is the only constant, unchanging reality. All the curving and bending and shifting of the universe happens in contrast to Jesus, who keeps his unflappable, steady course regardless of the conditions. See, the world is changing. But one thing that's not changing is who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. And regardless of all the obstacles that have been thrown in the way, here we are in 2021 still talking about a guy that lived 2,000 years ago. Now, the other side of this coin is light is amazing. But you know what else is amazing? Darkness. 
there is so much that we're learning about dark matter and dark space and, and black holes and all of these things. And the definition of darkness is the absence of light. But what's fascinating about darkness is this, that, that if you introduce just a little bit of light, you have less darkness. And of course, the brighter the light is, the more it shines the darkness away. Okay, so, so imagine this, that you have a dark room, and we can't do it in this room because it just doesn't work. But let's say we had a dark room, right? You ever been to Mammoth Cave? You, remember, you know that? You ever been to Mammoth Cave? And they take you down in that cave, and it's the darkest thing you've ever seen. And if you are scared of the dark, don't do it, okay? Because it is the darkest thing you ever see. You can't even see your hand in front of your face no matter how close you put it. it, it is, it's insane. And then the tour guide will take a, a match or a lighter, I can't remember, probably a lighter, and he'll light it, and the whole room, based on one light, just opens up. That when you have a dark world and you introduce just a little bit of light, it shines bright, and all of a sudden it's illuminated. But so fascinating is that if you add a little bit of light to a dark place, all of a sudden it lights up. But it doesn't work the other way, does it? It doesn't matter how much darkness you add to light, it's still light. We live in a dark world. It's messed up. I mean, it hurts my heart some days to get on Facebook or to watch the news. And, and some of you in this room could tell your own stories, not about things that are happening elsewhere, but things that are happening in your life right now, things that are happening in your body right now, things that are happening in your family right now. And, and the darkness, it seems like it continues to expand. Wars still happen, death still seems to reign, disease and cancer still haunts our lives, starvation still exists, there's still people in the world that don't have access to clean drinking water, they estimate there's more slaves in the world today than at any point in human history, and then you add into that political unsteadiness and confusion, and, and it seems like this, this, this global thing that just seems to be going out of hand, it can be overwhelming, the darkness, but then there's the light. And the idea that we see in Scripture is that this darkness, that no matter how much it tries, as we'll see here in a second, there's always going to be light. St. Francis Assisi says this, All the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of a single candle. See, which makes what John's going to say here so fascinating. The thing about John is when John writes this, he's like a very old man. Like He's, he's experienced a lot. He's had time to reflect. We, we were just talking uh, back in my office, and this isn't part of my sermon, but this is for free. And we were just talking. So I turned 40 this year, and it seemed not possible, but I turned 40, and I'm so excited about it, right? Because, like, in my world, you have this window. Like, if you're in your 30s, like, nobody cares what you have to say. Like, I'm sorry. They just don't, right? Okay? So when you have, like, this window from, like, 40 to 60 where people care what you have to say, and then you turn 60, and sorry if you're over 60, I love you, but you just, they, don't, they think you're old now. You know, and it's just this weird thing, right? You have this window. And so I'm about to hit this window, but, but John is an old man. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter how, you, how much wisdom you think you have. The only way to have the wisdom of someone that's 67 years old is to be 60 or 70 years old, to have lived through that stuff, to have experienced that stuff. And, and so he's old and he's experienced so much. And he's trying to write about all that he's seen and everything that he's heard. I mean, he's been through a lot. He, he's been exiled to this island. He's seen his friends killed. I mean, he's experienced more in his, this short life that he's lived than most of us could even imagine, so much pain and heartache. But yet when he writes about Jesus, 
He continues, and here's what he says. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not. And I want to pause there, because I think when he writes this, he has to pause. And he thinks about the dark world that he lives in. And listen, we may think our world is dark, but it doesn't even compare to the world that they lived in in Rome. And all of this stuff that he's experienced and seen the imprisonment and his friends killed and all of the the persecution and all of the hurt and the pain. He thinks about all of the darkness that's in their world and maybe you think about all of the darkness that you perceive that's in our world and in your life and in our reality today. And when John writes about the darkness in contrast to the light, here's what he says. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not, and he continues, overcome it. The darkness has not overwhelmed it. It has not put it out. Caesar couldn't do it. Tiberius couldn't do it. Nero couldn't do it. And I don't care what your feelings are about our current political state, but they pale in comparison to the reign of Caesar and Tiberius and Nero. Those names might not mean much to you, but these are the guys that ruled the world. They weren't presidents or governors. They were gods. And what they said happened. And they were really good at wiping out rebellions or anybody that stood against them. And they did it with shock and awe and pain and terror and death. All of this darkness. I mean, when Jesus comes on the scene, you have to understand that we talk about Jesus in this big Limelight, but but when Jesus comes on the scene, you got to understand nobody knew who he was, and he wasn't the first person to claim to be the Messiah. There there were dozens of them, and all of them were wiped out by Rome. You don't know their names because they were so good at wiping these people from the pages of history. But then there's Jesus, who, who John says is the light of. The world, and, and there's got to be something to it, right? Because we joke about it, but here you are in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, right? You could not be more different than a first century Jewish person, right? Like you were the, the unclean ones in their eyes. I mean, there, there couldn't be more different. And yet here you have this story of this Jewish carpenter turned quasi-rabbi who never traveled outside more than a 100-mile radius of where he was born, who started a small movement at age 30 that lasted three years, and then he was executed by the religious and political powers that be. If you lived in the first century, the story of Jesus wasn't even a blip on the radar. Nobody knew. But something was happening bigger than what was happening in that moment, bigger than the darkness that encompassed the world at that time. And what it was was the light of the world was here. The creator, sustainer of all things was here. And so John was convinced that no matter what happens in life, no matter what we face in life, no matter the deep heartache in life, no matter the extreme fear in life, no matter how deep the depression is, that there is light that shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Now, That's really, really good news. But why are we talking about it? Because then Jesus does something that's just fascinating. 
It's really easy for me to see Jesus as the light of the world when I understand the context of what he did and how it's still changing things today. It's really easy to say that, that Jesus shines in the darkness, and, and we want to believe that Jesus shines in the darkness in our lives and in this world and in our communities, and that his kingdom's this ever-expanding thing. But Jesus does something fascinating, and this is why we're talking about it, because when it comes to us being humans, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, Here's what Jesus says about you. He says in Matthew 5, 14, he says, you are the light of the world. That's a lot of pressure, by the way, right? I mean, when you think about how dark this world is, how bad this world is, like, I want Jesus to be the light. I don't so much want to have to be the light, right? Anybody else? He says, you are the light of the world. And he goes on. He's going to explain. He says this. He says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand and give it light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So let's break this down a little bit. See, he's saying that we, because he knows what's going to happen. He knows that he's going to leave. He knows that he's going to die. And that 2,000 years later, here we are. And he says, you are the light of the world. And he says, the reason he says a town built on a hill cannot be hidden is because when, when you approach from their world, like they don't have street lights. They don't have the thing that we have. You ever like drove in the country and there's just nothing and you get close to the city and you can see off in the distance all of the light pollution? You know what I'm talking about? You can't hide that. It's there. So you have it or you don't. And he says, and it doesn't make sense that you would light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so here, here's what he's saying, okay? Ready? This is, this is it. Jesus is the light of the world. But because we are the body of Christ, because we are the church, a gift given to the world, we are also the light of the world, sent to reflect him. Now, let me ask you a really, really tough question that you're not going to want to answer. If I was to go to your work tomorrow and say, hey, do you know James? Oh, yeah, we know James. Do you think James is the light of the world? What do you think they'd say? Let's make it more personal. If I was to go to your husband or your wife and say, you know Sally, right? Yeah, I'm married to her. I should know her, right? Okay, I'm trying to think of names of people that aren't in the room because I'm looking at you, so it's hard, okay? And I was to say, do you think they're the light of the world? What do you think they'd say? What if I went to your kids and I said, hey, your parents, are they the light of the world? See, it's the question we have to wrestle with, right? See, the imagery that Jesus paints is it doesn't make any sense to be the light of the world and then to take a bowl and put it on top of the light. Like, that's dumb. That doesn't make any sense. And what I find so fascinating is this. We just came out of this season where, where it was hard to be the church. And I hear people talking about church being canceled and this idea of when we are ever going to get back together and get in a room together. And what's fascinating to me is the church was never an event. It was people. It was people living out everyday life as if they were the light of the world, the body of Christ given to the world as a gift. And I think one of the disservices that we've done to ourselves over the years, and COVID only made it that much more apparent, is that for many of us, 
we have decided being the light of the world takes place for an hour on Sundays. Now, let me ask you. I think you guys are wonderful people, by the way. Let me ask you. Does a light in a room full of lights do anything? No. See, we are to be the light in the darkness. That's what light does. Light goes into dark places and illuminates the darkness. And so if we've made being the light of the world about an hour on Sunday mornings, it's bad news. It's bad news for us. It's bad news for the world around us, especially people that are struggling in the darkness. Jesus didn't wait for the darkness to come to him. He went into the darkness. You are the light of the world. And I think what's happening so far in our country and in our world is this, that we have lots of lights. I mean, the, the, the numbers are crazy how many Christians there are in America and in the world, billions and billions of them. But what we do is we come in here and we want to shine bright and we show up and we preach our sermons and we teach our Sunday school classes and we, we raise our hands in worship and we showed up so that counts, right? And you give your 10%. Who really gives 10%? Come on, right? All right. And so you do what you can. And then you leave the building and you feel good about yourself and you go to El Nepal and you stuff yourself full of Mexican and you were the light. And then you take the bowl and you put it over the light and you wait six days and then you come back on Sunday and you take the bowl off the light and I'm the light of the world again. And you have to wonder, is this what Jesus was talking about? But he says something else. He says something right before that. He says this. He says, he says in verse 13, he says, you are the salt, maybe not, okay, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except for to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So you are the salt of the earth. Now let me tell you what I know about salt. Salt is amazing, right? You ever ate broccoli without salt on it? It's terrible, right? You, ever, you guys love meat? What do you put on a steak when you cook it? A little salt, a little pepper, it's perfect, right? Salt preserves things. Salt makes things better. Let me ask you a question. Are we making things better? Really? See, some would argue right now, and if you're not paying attention to the climate in our country when it comes to Christianity, you should. Because there's a lot of people that have a lot of opinions about us right now, and some of them are rightfully so. Are we making things better? Are we really lighting up the darkness? Because I've got to be honest with you. I think a lot of times people are bummed out that we're here. Which is interesting to me. Because when we think about Jesus, remember, so Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Then he says, because you're a follower of me, you're the, my body, you're the church, you're given as a gift to the world. See, people who are nothing like Jesus like Jesus. They were attracted to him. People with all kinds of flaws and faults, people with all kinds of sin patterns, people who had made all kinds of bad choices, people from all different types of backgrounds and races and nationalities, people who were considered the worst of the worst were drawn to Jesus because he was the light in the darkness. And so here's the question, why aren't they drawn to us? Has something changed? Have we convoluted the message? Have we made it about something that it was never supposed to be about 
I mean, when I read scripture, and I'm talking to myself more than anybody else in this room, I got to be honest with you, some things just don't look right. And this is our chance to figure it out. I think we better figure it out for our world, our country, our culture, but let's even be more personal, for your marriage, for your family. Light is supposed to shine in the darkness. The other thing I think fascinating about this, when Jesus says this, he says, you are the light of the world. Now, in the original context, he's obviously talking to his followers, but, but he wasn't talking just to his followers. He's talking to all of us. I mean, that's kind of what we see in Scripture. This message has an original audience, but then expands to a greater and greater audience. And he doesn't just say pastors are the light of the world, or philosophers, or teachers, or authors, or smart people, right? He doesn't say that. He says, you are the light of the world. And he's referring to these early followers that will eventually become the church that is what we are a part of that's been going on for 2,000 years, his ever-expanding kingdom. And you, specifically, with your upbringing and your background and your strengths and your weaknesses and your dreams, but also your baggage, Jesus says you are the light of the world. Which means regardless of how you've tried writing yourself off in the past or regardless of how other people have written you off in the past, According to Jesus, there's room for you in this world, and you have a purpose, and that is to be a light, to be a reflection. And you say, well, you don't know how dark things are. Well, okay, I get it. You don't know where I work, and you don't know how bad things are in my family. Right. Furthermore, the need that there needs to be more light in the darkness. What's fascinating about light in a dark place is that light wins every single time, even if it's just a small light. And the darker the space, the brighter the light. And so the question I think for some of us we have to wrestle with is, are we doing this? Are we? Am I? Let's just talk personally. Am I being the light of the world? Am I being the salt? Am I the one that's illuminating the darkness? And you're like, yeah, we call people out all the time. That's not what we're talking about. Are we being the salt? Are we making things better? Are we persevering? Are we preserving See, what's fascinating is that when Jesus calls us the light, he's kind of like referencing this idea that you're going to be a reflection of me in the world. And when Jesus talks about people that understand him, people that get him, because remember, what, what do he say? He says, and do your good deeds so they may see your father and, and praise him in heaven. See, he, he's saying exactly what I just said at the beginning. It's a choice every day. It's a choice every day on what you're going to do. And when Jesus talks about people that understand him, the people that get him, you know what he talks about? He talks about people who love others, even when they're unlovable. He talks about people who serve, even when it's inconvenient. He talks about people that offer grace, even to those they don't think deserve it, because none of us do. He talks about people that seek justice, people that embrace empathy and try to understand, which is not a word many of us like anymore, try to understand where someone else might be coming from and to step into their shoes. It is the light of the world, the light of all mankind. And I'm really comfortable with Jesus being the light of the world, but I'm not sure how I feel about me being the light of the world, but I don't get a choice. This is what he calls us to. To show us what's possible, to show us what could be. See, I love when Jesus comes because the light of the world stepped into the darkness and he shows us a new way to be human. And the reason we're having these conversations is this. I mean, how, how in the world do we think we're going to be the light of the world 
if we can't even be the light in our own homes, if we can't even be the light in our relationships to people that already love us, that accept us. I think if all of us just thought about it for a little bit and said, hey, we want to change things, and every day we have a choice on who you're becoming and the world that you're creating and the light that you're going to be. And I'm just telling you guys, the words of Jesus, it makes no sense to be a light and put it under a bowl. The world is dark. Culture is dark. Some of our situations are dark. And we need to be the light. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you, God. We thank you for the challenge that you give us. God, I know, I know for me, it, it seems so easy sometimes to just think that other people are going to step up and do the right thing, that other people are going to step into a situation. But the call that you have is for us to be the light. The call that you have for us is to be the salt, to make things better, to preserve things. And God, I think a reflection for us as we are humans, as we are becoming more human, that God is, is not to put ourselves as the standard of, of everybody else, but to put us the standard of who you were. You taught us a new way to be human, to love, to, to show, to, to offer grace and mercy, to serve. And so God, my prayer for me and my prayer for us in this room is that we will take on this challenge to be the light. And we can complain all we want about how dark the world is, but we are the light that the one's called to go into that world, to go into these situations. God, some of us are called to be the light in our marriage, to be the light in our family, to be the light for our children. So God, may we take that call seriously. May we take it honestly. May we ask some hard questions sometimes as we reflect. And every morning, may we wake up and at least for a little bit, just ask the question, who are we? What are we becoming? What choices are we going to make today? And God, are we going to be the light that you call us to be? God, we thank you for who you are and what you've shown us and how you've loved us and given us grace and mercy. And may we offer the same grace and mercy to others. In your son's name we pray.